Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Show two on this Wednesday morning. My voice remains in a state of disarray, but we will power our way through the show best we can because there are things to discuss from a five-game Tuesday NBA Cup Tuesday, mind you, and a 14-game Wednesday look-ahead. God help us all as we prepare for the insanity that is coming up this evening. Of course, there are... The, the reasons behind this are obvious. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving in advance, everybody, because we won't have a show tomorrow. In seasons past, I put out a show on Thanksgiving morning for reasons I don't entirely know. I think I just had this bee in my bonnet about making sure I had a show out every day. But now that we're doing multiple shows on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, some Thursdays, there just sort of isn't a reason for me to feel like I need to have a show specifically on Thursday when we've got like eight shows a week happening right now anyway. So anyway, all that said, uh, I am Dan Vespers. Welcome to our Tuesday recap show and Wednesday preview edition of Fantasy NBA Today. This show is, as all shows are, a sports ethos presentation. If you guys do one thing for me today, in addition to liking and subscribing and finding me on Twitter at Dan Vespers, it is absolutely positively to check out sportsethos.com. Their news feed is amazing. Uh, I'll say this, and like full disclosure, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you guys. That would be a bad way to gain listeners. Underdog's feed is faster, but their feed also doesn't have any analysis. So, if you're confident, then you can make all the right calls yourself with just the news. Okay. But if you'd like a feed that maybe is minute or minute or two behind because someone is typing analysis on fantasy news, Ethos Fantasy BK is that feed. I'm going to type it up. Uh, it's not in the show's description. Perhaps that's a bit of an oversight on my part, but I am going to put it in the uh, live YouTube chat and throw it up on the screen for folks that are watching now or after the fact. That is the Ethos Fantasy news feed. It's Ethos Fantasy BK. It's one of the better decisions you'll make today if you go give them a follow. That way you get your NBA news with analysis from the best minds on Fantasy Planet Earth all in one sweeping Twitter feed. Let's look at what happened yesterday, and we can just sort of uh, mosey our way through the card today. Toronto. Uh, let me take the Twitter feed off the board so my head slides back down into the YouTube corner, as it were. Toronto got smoked by an Orlando team that is playing some really good defense these days. Very impressive defense from the Magic. They're winning uh, at home and on the road, and that's that thing. Defense translates. They always talk about, you want to go win on the road, you got to be able to guard somebody, and the Magic are guarding somebody. They're doing it without Wendell Carter Jr., who may placeholder at this point. Olga Batadze had seven defensive stats yesterday. He went one for four at the free throw line. But again, who cares when you have seven defensive stats? He and Mo Wagner continue to kind of alternate who has the better ball games. And if you really wanted to sort of dive down to the very nubs of it, Batadze has been streamable while Wendell Carter Jr. has been out. The funny thing is that he wasn't even really playing before that. Uh, Mo Wagner is hanging around like near the edge of the top 150 while uh, Wendell's been shelved 
mostly because he hasn't had any defensive stats. And that's not to say that that Batadze is going to keep up three and a half defensive stats long term, as you see a fly whiz past my face on the live video feed here. Goga, eight points, seven boards, 1.4 steals, about two blocks per game since uh, Wendell Carter Jr. went down. He's doing it in 24 minutes a night. We've seen Batadze enough to know the blocks are something that he can often sustain, the rebounds he can usually sustain. The field goal percent is better than usual right now for him. He, he had a, a tendency in the past to take kind of ill-advised shots, and it seems like maybe that's not happening right now because he's just not really taking any shots at all. And so, not, again, I, I don't think that these numbers hold because they've been floated by two or three gigantic games, but if you aggregate it, the gigantic games have weighed heavily enough to counterbalance the weak ones. So you can play Batadze. Uh, despite he and Wagner basically sp most nights splitting the minutes down the middle, uh, Goga got extra in this ball game, um, just because he was very effective in it. Uh, so yeah, feel free if you need center stats. It seems like he's actually good enough, and and we don't have an exact timeline on Wendell Carter Jr.'s return. So enjoy. Game got out of hand somewhat early. The Raptors were able to play a lot of their starters around 30 minutes, which I guess is sort of like a saving grace in an otherwise ugly ball game. Uh, Jakob Pertl fouled out in 23 minutes, so don't worry about that. He he had been trending up. I think he'll continue to trend that way when the uh, foul out is not on the table. Dennis Schroeder did have 24 points on very efficient shooting, although we've continued to see him sliding he's about round one uh 120 range or so over the last two weeks which is more like what we expected of him overall he's still around 80 because he got off to that torrid start I just I still feel like he's going to slide back towards 100 Scotty Barnes you've seen a little bit of a slowdown there as well his gigantic start has continued to sort of float it but he's been more like a top 50 play over the last couple of weeks after a top 10 play to start the year uh, he's at number 16 right now. Uh, Pascal Siakam is uh, very slowly moving up the board. But then the guy who was on our buy show yesterday was OG Ananobi, who actually got off to a quick start in this ballgame with a bunch of blocks and whatnot. Uh, but then it didn't hold, and he's still sitting kind of near the edge of the top 100 and remains a pretty firm buy-low candidate if you can get him. Uh, Jalen Suggs has been amazing this year, and he continues to be amazing. He's number 66 in 9-cat, despite not shooting the ball all that well overall, mostly because he is frickin' everywhere on defense. Two more steals for Suggs, shot the ball better in this ball game, and if you get a good field goal percent game out of Suggs, you're really cooking. He only played 21 minutes because the bench was actually building a lead, and so the Magic just let him roll in the first half, and then we hit garbage time in the second half. So guys like Cole Anthony got 29 minutes in this ballgame. Uh, Gary Harris saw 23 off the bench. Uh, those are the sort of the big ones impacted by the, the blowout and sort of the, the bench running heavy. But first of all, you're not picking up Cole Anthony after one good ball game. Suggs has been the guy, and he will likely continue to be Cleveland beat Philly in overtime without Donovan Mitchell and without Karis LeVert, which is pretty amazing. Darius Garland finally got it going. 32 points, five boards, eight assists, three steals, two three-pointers for Garland. One big ball game enough to push him inside the top 100, finally. Finally. Still at 4.7 turnovers per game. That's a number that is just, it's going to have to come down at some point or he just won't get anywhere near his actual potential in ADP. 
But the other stuff's starting to look a little bit more like what we expected, and so that's good news on the Garland front. Probably not a buy low after this ballgame. Uh, Max Struess, I just want to take a second to celebrate again. He's back inside the top 50 after this ballgame at number 49 on the basketball monster board. We knew his blocks number was going to come down, and it has. He's now at .6 blocks per game. Remember when he was up at 1? Uh, steals are at 1, which, again, I don't think that's going to get really any higher. The uh, resounding and amazing thing with Struess this year is that he's rebounding in a way we just never expected. But his minutes are consistently among the top on the team. He actually played the most minutes in this ballgame at 44 out of the 53 total available minutes, and there's just no reason to think he's going anywhere. Yeah, he got more to do with no Donovan Mitchell and no Karis LeVert, you know, more shots, but like the boards, the assists, the steals, the blocks, they're better than we expected, and then when guys miss a game, we get a little extra scoring. Jared Allen was a buy low yesterday. He went for 26 and 13 uh, on a terrific volume, and he's been a big reason why they've been able to uh, beat up on some large and uh, substantial opponents. And we saw his minutes finally get up to 35. So the cap may be lifted. I don't know if that means you can still buy low on him after this ball game. My guess is probably not. But still, that's why we had him on the buy low board, because eventually the minutes cap was going to get lifted, and then we could take advantage. Nothing really on the Philly side. We got uh, news yesterday that Kelly Oubre could be back within a week, amazingly. I think it'll probably be more like between one and two weeks. But even still, that uh, sort of dampens whatever we might have thought we could get out of a Nick Batum, uh, who had five fouls in 27 minutes and just sort of didn't do enough to be fantasy relevant here. So you can just cast that stuff aside. Don't need to worry about it. Doesn't need to occupy any of our brain space. Let's go to the next ball game. Well, how about this one? 309 combined points in regulation between the Pacers and the Hawks. This is the craziest number I've seen possibly in my life, actually. Because I was a baby the last time that teams were trying to score this many points in a ballgame. Tyrese Halliburton, absurd, absurd game. Uh, he's now the number two player in 9-cat. And, I mean, this is why... I, like, you guys remember the preseason when I said... Joel Embiid is a very good pick. Shea and Tyrese Halliburton are the other two guys I want at the top of the board, and I just felt like they were a click above the next group of dudes, and look, there they are. Because we just, like, okay, I didn't know this type of game was coming, but you just knew that next step was coming for a team that wants to win now. It's a big difference for Indiana. They are trying to win ball games all season long this year. Halliburton's going to have to stay healthy, but they're 8-5 and five to start the season, off to a good start. Lots to like. And from a fantasy standpoint, a lot to like, too, for Buddy Heald, who finally got a rare start. Played 31 minutes of this ballgame, had 24 points, hit six three-pointers. Yeah, he shot the ball really well. He didn't get steals, blocks, really any rebounds or assists, but if he's going to play 30 minutes in a starting lineup, he needs to be rostered and he needs to be started. This is a big, big change for Buddy Heald because coming off the bench, they had sort of cast him aside. It seemed like they had just said, look, if we're not going to get an extension going with this dude, he's not part of our plan. But now they're seeing he kind of needs to be part of their plan because they're not as good when he's not. Benedict Matherin hasn't taken enough of a step forward for them to, to guarantee him those small forward minutes or shooting guard minutes or whatever you want to call it. And then everybody else is just sort of a mishmash of mixed pieces. So in this one... What do we got? Well, Miles Turner, 11-9 with four blocks. It's not entirely clear 
why there wasn't more Miles Turner. Obi Toppin was having a very large game off the bench, which, I, you know, 34 minutes here, I don't think we can expect that'll happen every ball game because Jalen Smith only played five. Uh, Bruce Brown is getting a little bit frustrated with Bruce. I got to be honest. He's number 114. He's so very close to fantasy value. All he needs really is like one big game and he's back inside the top 100. So I don't think you can drop Bruce. But I also understand that if you're in a 12-team Roto League, he's sort of just outside of a guy you'd want to start. We should also keep an eye on Aaron Neesmith. He played 25 minutes in the starting five if he can somehow lock down starters minutes. If things change, like so many times we've seen the Pacers or Rick Carlisle specifically kind of tease us with guys getting what look to be more consistent minutes and then sort of yanks the rug out from underneath. And that could happen here with Heald. I mean, it could happen with Aaron Neesmith if we think he's going to start to get more minutes. I have no clue what the Pacers are going to do in their next ball game, and it's coming up a few hours from now. But if Heald is still in the starting lineup, he's a go, absolutely. And if Neesmith sticks in the starting lineup, which I don't think is going to be the case, but we'll see, then we should at least pay attention to him as well. Uh, and then Obi Toppin is the guy where you're like, no, I don't think I really want a power forward who's not going to be rebounding all that much and whose minutes are not secure. Let's talk about the Hawks. Luckily, they're a quicker one. Onyeko Kongwu, uh, quiet game. When a team puts up 150 points, you kind of expected everybody to have a bigger one. He's in one of those little lulls he goes through, uh, but this is a game where they didn't run a normal lineup for stretches. Uh, you know, Capella and Okongwo only accounted for 41 of the 48 center minutes on the court. So they had to run small for stretches and whatever the hell that means for fantasy value. Both of those guys were okay, but neither one of them was all that good. The nice thing is here, you can probably buy low on Okongwo because every time he goes through one of these little levelings where he doesn't get as many defensive stats for a couple of days or whatever, people start to freak out because he doesn't score very much. They don't see the other stuff and think that the sky is falling. But if you can get him for a, you know, 90 to 100 range guy, you probably should do that. Especially knowing that at some point this year, Clint Capella is going to miss a week or two. Just inevitable. And Okongwu is going to go nuts. Otherwise, no real surprises there. Um, we've talked about Sadiq Bey basically being a head-to-head -head schedule play. And Bogdan Bogdanovich being a guy you can play pretty much all the time. I expect Bogdan's steals will continue to come down. He didn't have any in this ballgame, uh, but he hit a crap ton of shots, and so that kind of pasted over it. But he's been good to go so far. Malcolm Brogdon returned for the Blazers in a loss. Uh, not expected to play in there back-to-back. -back. We'll see. We don't have final word on that. But, you know, if he sits, you could probably stream Skylar Mays for one more ball game. I already dropped him. I didn't feel like I needed to sit on Skylar Mays for one more day because he wasn't that amazing anyway. Uh, but Brogdon is a go anytime he's in there. He is going to make everybody around him better also because, you know, now they have a sort of a more competent NBA-grade point guard on the floor. And that's kind of it. Really, from this ballgame as a whole, Nurk, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, the only sons that you can trust every single day. Grayson Allen is kind of a maybe... Eric Gordon is more of a head-to-head -head kind of dude. Uh, and then they just sort of wait on Bradley Beal. Kevin Durant, meanwhile, is rolling now. He's up to number eight in nine-cat because, as we knew it would, his free throw percentage is back where it needs to be. 
believe it or not, his blocks could actually go a little higher than they are right now, and the turnovers are very high for Durant. Uh, he's cruising. Devin Booker kind of cruising also, and I figure these guys are all going to cruise until Bradley Beal comes back, and then we'll see what they are. And the Lakers and the Jazz. This ballgame was over by midway through the third quarter, so uh, nobody really got normal minutes. That's why Simone Fontecchio played 27 on the Utah side. But John Collins survived it. That's all you can ask for if you have a, a Utah asset. Larry Markkinen, uh, he didn't really survive it, and that was kind of it. Uh, we knew the bottom was going to fall out for Jordan Clarkson at some point. He was running hot, and uh, now he's sort of not anymore. You guys remember that ridiculous website, amihotornot.com? Well, Jordan Clarkson is currently back into the not. You know it was coming. And he'll get hot again, and when he does, you want to sell. It's the same story every time with Clarkson, because he's not a, a nine-cat roto guy most of the time, but then he'll go through two, three, four-game stretches where he is, and you got to try to cash in if you can. Keontae George, also a quiet ball game. I mean, the Jazz were terrible in this one, so you can't grade him out too much by it. I'm not dropping George because it just feels like this is a guy they're going to let grow as the team grows because the team is bad. Utah's not the same club they were last year. They are down a bunch of NBA-capable players, and they're down Walker Kessler right now, too, who will help them if he can get that elbow healthy. And the Lakers took advantage, so all those guys got... Uh, Took care of business in three quarters. Christian Wood had a big game, did a lot of work in garbage time in this one. Uh, some of that was because Cam Reddish left early with a groin, I say strain, but it was, I think it was a soreness. Lakers are on a back-to-back, so I'd be pretty surprised if you saw Reddish for this one, which means, well, Max Christie actually started the second half for L.A. I don't know what direction they're going to go in this ball game against the Mavs. Pretty different personnel than Utah. But uh, in terms of the players on the Lakers you're looking at, it's just the core four. AD, uh, LeBron, D'Lo, and Austin Reeves. Those are the four guys you're starting on L.A., and I would not trust anybody else. Closest player, I think, to trust after that would be Rui Hachimura. Uh, but you're not going down that path unless you basically just need scoring because that's kind of all he does for this team. Um, although every once in a while he goes through a little stretch where they ask him to rebound harder and he does it for a week or two and then he kind of forgets how. All right. Okay. Um, I am tired just looking at this board. <sighs> so, um, folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Boo, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. 
Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. That pause in the show is my nanny making sure that my kid doesn't have hives from the antibiotics he's on. This is th- I'm going to try to remember to edit that out on the uh, recorded side, but you guys that watch on YouTube, you guys are going to get these things when the kids are not in school in particular. So anyway, as I was saying, first of all, go get something at manscaped.com. The holidays are coming up. I think Hanukkah is only like two weeks away. Christmas about a month. Get something at manscaped.com. It's so easy. It saves you all this time, and you don't have to worry about a bunch of other stuff because their stuff is great. I got this pile of them right here that I just use constantly. I love that handyman. I've been using that to take care of just the sort of the overgrowth. That's an actual full electric razor, not a sideburn trimmer. And then the new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra is this futuristic monster. So you got to check it out. At least visit their website if you don't get anything. They've got a Black Friday deal going right now, uh, but make sure you enter the code ETHOS20 to get 20% off and free shipping and also to make sure they know who sent you. That's really important because if more people go there and get stuff, then they'll spend more money with us and they keep sending me free things. Okay, whatever. I'm allowed to be greedy every once in a while. Manscaped.com, promo code ETHOS20 for the discounts and funsies over there. Okay. I'm going to have to do the, the Ace Ventura deep breath thing, except if I did it right now, I'd probably cough all over the microphone. Although you guys haven't heard, I haven't done a coughing fit in this show yet. I think we actually just got some injury news while I was looking at coughing fits. Uh, Kara Silvert is questionable. Donovan Mitchell is out for the Cavs ballgame tonight. Boyan Bogdanovich and Jalen Duran practiced, so we might get them back for the Sixers, or Sixers, the Pistons here in the very near future. Devin Vassell says that he is going to play tonight. Jason Tatum is listed as questionable for the Celtics. Aaron Neesmith is questionable. Andrew Nemhard is questionable. And Damian Lillard is considered available, which I would basically call probable for the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay. Uh, that's the injury news that just popped up in the last little bit. Let's turn our attention to this insane Wednesday card, and let's see if we can make it through it without losing our minds. Uh, Wizards and Hornets, which, you know, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. But from a fantasy standpoint, we can say a few things. One is, I do still want to know what the Wizards tank philosophy evolution is going to be. And... My guess is that they continue to do the same crap they're doing right now because they want to lock in a bunch of losses. But the one thing we saw in their last ball game was Jordan Poole finally said, you know, F it, basically. I'm going to take all them shots. And he took all them shots. And so if you have Jordan Poole, this is probably a time to hope that he makes a few and gets himself involved, but he didn't really do anything besides shoot in their last ball game. The passing iteration of Jordan Poole might be done for a little bit. But what does that mean for the other guys on the team? Does that make them all worse? Possibly. Does the team get so bad that they can afford to play their regulars a little more? Eh, Maybe we're galaxy-braining it a little bit. More than likely, they're going to keep everybody in check and just keep racking up losses. But then also, what does that mean for Bilal? 
or Bilal, excuse me, Kudabali, who is continues to be interesting, but not nearly as good as the hype may suggest in that, you know, 26 to 30 minutes of ballgame, he's still not really that close to the top 100. But we can see the outlines of it. Good steals, good blocks from the sort of wing position. His field goal percent has been solid so far. He's just going to have to be more involved. You know, he's only taken six shots a game so far this year. We need to get him up to eight, nine, ten shots a night. Now you start to cook with something. I'd also like to see the free throw percent come up, but, you know, we'll see. Charlotte, uh, we're tracking Gordon Hayward after a couple of bad ball games. He had a better one in their overtime win over the Celtics. Does he keep that going? I don't think that Miles Bridges is going to completely detonate Hayward, but maybe I'm wrong. So let's just keep one eye on that. Denver, nothing. I've made up my mind on Reggie Jackson. He is not a 12-team, 9-cat, roto, games-cap level guy. So when I say somebody's not a start, that basically means that I wouldn't use a games-cap on him. You know, if a team has a really good schedule, that's a different universe, and a lot of guys jump into the playable if they've got three games and four nights kind of thing on the head-to-head side. But Reggie's not a guy you're using a games-cap on. Magic. Uh, Jonathan Isaac is a question mark. I mean, you know, he played in their last back-to-back, but I do think that they kind of artificially depress his minutes. You can see in the ballgame yesterday, Isaac only played 13 minutes. Still, by the way, managed fantasy value in only 13 minutes. But does that mean that that's all he's going to see in this one as well, is another 13? When you've got the non-back-to-backs, maybe you get him up closer to 20. So how does that play out? And then, you know, we were just talking about Goga Batadze a moment ago. Milwaukee, the well, with Damian Lillard in, that takes some of the stuff off the board for them. Malik Beasley's been running warm lately. I don't know how long that's going to last. Uh, Bobby Portis is very much on our uh, burger board play. Burger board being the injury fill-in guys. So uh, I think that's all pretty good. Celtics, the only thing we'd watch now is whether or not Jason Tatum plays because it was going to be a big fat nothing for them. But if Tatum sits... Do we see them go big with an Al Horford, or do they go uh, real rangy with a Sam Hauser? Either way, you're looking at a possible plug-and-play guy there. Possible. Heat. I spent a bunch of time, I think it was yesterday's show, maybe the day before, talking about the Kyle Lowry, Jaime Aquez stream situation, because Duncan Robinson is such an obvious fill-in for Tyler Hero. But technically, over the last two weeks, Lowry and Haquez have each been right around that top 100 range also, meaning technically, they should be startable in all formats. I just can't bring myself to do it for some reason. Probably because I think Kyle Lowry's going to just, like, his knee's going to fall off in the middle of one of these ball games, and you're going to end up eating a 1.4 rebound night or something like that. Anywho. Cavs, uh, well, now we, uh, we already know Donovan Mitchell is out as of 10 minutes ago. Karis LeVert, if he comes back, he'd be a play. That's sort of it. Um, we talked about Jared Allen earlier in the show. Raptors, are we witnessing the Scotty Barnes slowdown, and it could you still get a top 25 guy for him if we think this is who he's going to be the rest of the year, which would be more like, you know, 40 to 50 range as opposed to top 10? I, If I could lock in a top 25 guy for Barnes, I think I'd probably do it right now. Pacers, we just talked about them. They're on a back-to-back. Buddy Heel there and Neesmith are kind of the guys you're paying attention to. Brooklyn, can Spencer Dinwiddie 
clear the 12-team hump? I think the answer is no, but in Mick world, anything's possible. Hardy har har. Hawks, we just talked about as well. There's not a whole lot going on there other than the buy low on Okongwu. Grizzlies are interesting. Santi Aldama's been going nuts. Does anybody else have a chance to step up a little bit? And then they still have the buy low on JJJ. Rockets, nothing. Sixers, probably nothing. I'll go, I guess I could throw the note out there that with the news that Ubre could be back within, you know, a week, week and a half, make sure somebody didn't drop him, thinking he was going to be out for half the season on that first bad injury report. And nobody then maybe folks forgot to add him after the better report last week. Seems doubtful, but, you know, you never know with your league. Timberwolves, mostly nothing. Jaden McDaniels is going to be out for a couple of weeks with his ankle tweak. And I don't expect anybody to move across the cut line, but slow-mo would be the guy that's probably closest to it. So keep one eye on that. For the Kings, Keegan's health is kind of the only thing going on here. I think he missed shoot-around, so my guess is that he's not playing. And then could you potentially buy low on Keegan Murray if folks think he's going to miss time or if they're concerned about, what did he have, one or two kind of slower ball games before the back injury uh, shut him down? I mean, maybe he was playing through it in those. We don't even know. But he's a guy that's, like, coasting at top 70, and he hasn't even hit his stride yet this year. Pelicans have a few things going on. I think JV is a sell high because his block rate is nuts. I want to know what Jose Alvarado's role is ultimately going to be. I'd love to know what that means for Dyson Daniels. And then also, it sounds like CJ McCollum is not that far away. So does that blow up all this other stuff? And Trey Murphy is not all that far away. What are the Pelicans going to be when all of those guys are back in? Can they all get back in at the same time? Is, I guess, another good question. Like, does Zion get hurt before ZJ comes back or whatever? And knock on wood, I don't want these things to happen, but it just seems like the Pelicans have been snake bit for so long. How could we expect that to stop now? Clippers, I have been needlessly cruel to Norman Powell, who's actually been uh, a fantasy play over the last week or so. And... You know, he's number 160 on the year in 25 minutes. Uh, free throw number is down for him over you know, career mark for Powell. He's always been a very good free throw shooter at 83%. Typically a pretty good positive there. Right now he's a small negative. Uh, you know, if he gets back to what he was doing last year, which was about 12 shots in 26 minutes, and I don't know that that's happening because they just have so many usage guys. But all of a sudden now, it does seem like his role has jumped. The way the team is situated and the way the team thinned out in the Harden trade, it seems like Powell's the big winner. You know, they sent out all these power forwards, and we thought, all right, well, who the hell's going to soak up the power forward minutes? Is it all going to go to P.J. Tucker? But he's been old and slow, and the team's been bad with him on the floor, and so the Clippers are going smaller. They'll run Kawhi at the power forward spot if they have to. They can just play uh, more wings, basically. And so suddenly, Norman Powell looks kind of interesting. He had 19 points and five boards in the last ball game with two steals and two threes and seven out of seven at the free throw line. Last four games, he's scored 20, 14, 10, and 19 points. He's not doing much else, which is reason for a little bit of concern, but he's hitting threes. He's usually a pretty big free throw positive guy. He's had a couple of weirdly bad games mixed in there. But if he's going to start scoring 14, 15 points a night, 
and elevate your free throw number and give you a couple three-pointers a game, that's a guy that would then belong on a fantasy team. I don't know that you need to necessarily get out in front of it, but he certainly deserves at least some of our attention. Spurs, I just don't care. Sorry, guys. I can't bring myself to care. If you have a spur, you're probably stuck sitting on them. Uh, Zach Collins has been fine. He's inside the top 100. That's good. Uh, Vassell has been in and out of the lineup. Where the hell is he right now? He's just inside the top 100 as well. Keldon Johnson has been uh, more efficient this year than we expected. The rebounds and assists have actually been better than expected. If that stuff comes down, he could topple like he did last season. So the person have all these guys between 80 and 100, and that's all fine. But, I, you know, I just feel like people expected more. And then Wemby is having his percentages issues and turnover issues. He's a points league darling right now. And the 2.6 blocks are sweet. And he'll slowly figure the game out. I'd say it's a buy low, but I don't think anybody's trading away Wembenyama that drafted him. So probably you can just kind of ignore. And that's why I mostly ignore the Spurs. Bulls. The question is, how soon are they blowing it up? We didn't get any indication over the last day and a half, so I don't know that we need to sort of flog that dead horse. So let's kind of keep going. Thunder, I think you can get a buy low on Jalen Williams, especially with him dealing with his hip injury. Jazz, we just talked about them. Jordan Clarkson, you just try to sell when he has a, a run. Keontae George, etc. Blazers, we just covered as well. Warriors, it, have Clay and Wiggins woken up? Or are they still going to be terrible? And how long? Draymond's almost back, by the way, but in the meantime, Chris Paul's been amazing. He is uh, ranked number 55 in 9-cat right now. Eight assists per game and only 1.2 turnovers. That is the magic of assist-to-turnover ratio. <laughs> and there's the one coughing fit per show. Chris Paul's still shooting only 40%. So believe it or not, there's room for growth over what he's doing right now. And that's when people were like, oh, no, Chris Paul, you had a few quiet games. Should I drop? You're like, no, dude, come on. He's shooting like 37%. Still Chris Paul in reasonable minutes. He will continue to put up numbers. Simple as that. Suns, nothing. Mavericks. I'm starting to get kind of excited about Derek Lively and what he might be in the next month or two. He's been decent so far, but it does feel like he's a guy whose arrow is pointed up. Tim Hardaway Jr. is a guy who feels like his arrow is pointed down. Uh, I don't know when it's going to happen still, but it seems like it's already begun. He missed a few free throws, which you knew he wasn't going to shoot a thousand from the line. Uh, and so all he's doing right now is points and some threes, and he's fallen out of the top 100. Great if you need those stats, but not great if you don't. And the Lakers, we just talked about. Cam Reddish's injury is kind of the only stat there. Uh, I know the Lakers, big names. We don't know if they're going to play on the back-to-back. -back. My guess is that they do. This isn't really a team that can afford to just throw a ball game for the sake of throwing it. And the Mavs have slowed after a very hot start. And... LeBron and AD didn't play in the fourth quarter yesterday, so I got to think those guys are going to go. We shall see. All right. Uh, let's try to do a few questions uh, on this one. Please do, by the way, take a moment to like and subscribe if you made it this far in the show. There are a nice chunk of you hanging out with us live, and then many of you are going to watch or listen after the fact. I expect to see the likes and subscriptions tick upward. 
over the course of the day. All right, how many questions can I get through? Oh, there's a lot of them. All right, we're going to give it about 10 minutes before my voice goes out. Dan, should I start Duncan Robinson over Jalen Johnson? Hmm. I don't think you're going wrong either way on this one. Both those guys are going to have good numbers. They're both like top 60 guys these days. Yeah, you're not going wrong. Dan, what do you think Austin Reeves' rest of season value is in 9-cat Roto? I'm struggling to evaluate since he's coming off the bench. Thanks, and hope you feel better soon. Yeah, I'm fairly certain that I'm going to die from this cough, but we'll ride it all the way to the finish line. Uh, for Reeves, he feels like a 90-range kind of guy. His field goal percent is on its way back to where we needed it to be, and that's the thing that kind of was holding him back for a bit. That's why his numbers were weirdly low. He's right outside the top 100 over the last two weeks while shooting 48% and uh, very much a startable play over that stretch. He's getting a lot of assists, too, almost six per ball game. And at some point, LeBron's going to get a game off. And at some point, AD is going to get a game off. And in those ones, AD's usage is going to go through the roof. Or sorry, Austin's is going to go through the roof. And that's where he gets to add a little bit more on top of it. So very much a hold. Reminds me a lot of Onyeko Okongwu in that he's going to be fine when the team is healthy. And then he'll cash in in a big way when anybody gets a day off. Should I buy high on Jalen Johnson? I don't know that you should ever buy high on anybody, but uh, Jalen Johnson has been awesome. He's number 41. I still think his free throw number, or 41 over the last two weeks, excuse me, uh, overall in the year, he's actually, believe it or not, better than that. I think he's number 37. Um, I don't know that he keeps it up all year. You know, 60% shooting with three-pointers, with rebounds, all that stuff. He's awesome. He's a very good player, but... The, the price you'd have to pay to get him right now is also someone inside the top 50, and I don't think that I would give that up to buy him right now. Someone offered Zach Collins for my Jalen Johnson. Would you take it? No, stick with Jalen Johnson. Thoughts on Santi Aldama this week? Hard to know for sure. I am uh, pro-Aldama because nobody seemingly is coming back for Grizz it, this week. Um... And Aldama's just out there taking a crap ton of shots. Over his last three games, Aldama's taken 57 shots. That's enough for me, man. Give me all the usage in the universe, and then we'll just see what happens. So I'm, I'd am i say go on Santi. Thoughts on Zubats? His numbers have been consistently mid. Yeah, that's Zubats, man. That's always what he's going to be. And I think his block rate comes down, so it might even get worse. Free throw percent probably comes up. He's just not hes not a top 100 guy. He, he, he have a one- or two-week stretch where he can be, but they have Daniel Tice to cover up his backup minutes. Tice can actually space the four a tiny bit better than Zubats. I don't think he's going to take a bunch of his minutes, but yeah, Mason Plumlee, uh, he'll be back at some point. I never wanted Zoo on my fantasy team, and I still don't. Who should I aim to get back if I'm selling Paul George? Well, uh, he's been great. Top 10 so far this year. Steal rate, I don't know if it sticks at 2.3 steals per game. Field goal percent probably comes down a little bit. Free throw percent likely comes down a little bit. He's a guy that's going to taper off. But if you can get anybody inside the top 20, I would do it. And when I say anybody inside the I'm not talking about like a Herb Jones. I'm talking about like... Crap, I don't know. Kyrie Irving... I just I feel like you might as well just ride it out at this point. Whatever you're going to get is going to probably be lower 
per game than PG's performing right now. And I don't know that there are that many of these guys behind him that he's going to fall behind, at least not substantially. You know? The guys that are probably going to work their way up are guys you're probably not going to be able to get for him anyway. I have Keontae George and picked up Buddy Heald. Who to keep in a points league? It's probably Heald. But we don't know if he's going to start forever, so that's why I said probably. Who would you cut first out of Fultz, Simmons, or Jonathan Isaac? Uh, probably Jonathan Isaac, but um, it might also be Simmons. I, honest to God, I have no idea if Ben Simmons plays another basketball game in his life. Every, every year it's the same thing. Oh, he's out. He's just getting a nerve issue. I don't think he's ever going to be okay. Maybe I'm too pessimistic there. I just, I just don't think so. Dan, I need a center. Jalen Smith, Daniel Tice, other. Uh, you're screwed, buddy. Sorry, there's no solution there. Tice got bonus run because that last game was a blowout. Jalen Smith's minutes are all over the map. He only played five in their last ball game. I would trust Jalen Smith over Daniel Tice, but I don't know who sits on the other board in your waiver wire. So, oof. In 9-cat, what range can I trade my Azar Thompson? I, I don't think people have caught on to the fact that he's been much slower the last week and a half to two weeks. Everybody's still seeing the 10 rebounds and the almost three defensive stats per ball game. So I, I think you should be able to get somebody near 60, 60 to 70 range is probably attainable for him still, even though he's been trending hard down. He's just, I mean, he's a fun fantasy play. But he's gonna he's getting a little gassed. That that happens to rookies that come out with all the adrenaline in the universe. Would you trade Jimmy Butler and Zach Levine for Jason Tatum? Uh, no, I don't think I would. I think Butler basically catches up with Tatum per game as this season goes, and uh. Levine's going to get moved somewhere, and then he's going to try again. Jalen Green or Alex Caruso? Caruso. Jalen Green is a disaster for category leagues. Points leagues, it's the opposite, by the way. Play Duncan Robinson tonight or Bogdan Bogdanovich? I'll go Duncan, but I don't, I mean, six of one, half dozen of the other, I think. Who can I trade Chet for in a 10-team Roto League? Uh... I don't think you should right now. He's rolling. Um, I get it. You're punting points and rebounds. I, you know, he's helping you in rebounds, but he's not helping you that much in points. Feels like he's a good fit for your team. There's nobody ranked around him that scores fewer points than he does. He's the JJJ so far this year. I think you should stay put. Choose two out of Melton, Shaden Sharp, Keontae George, Slow-Mo, and Devin Vassell tonight. Who do I play in a points league? Points League, Vassell, and Sharp. Category League, it's Melton and Vassell. Should I trade Jalen Williams for Jared Allen and Aaron Gordon? Um, I mean, I guess I'm okay with that. I don't really want Aaron Gordon, though. And Jalen Williams and Jared Allen are both sort of by lows right now. I wouldn't trade Jalen Williams away. Not, I mean, his value is going to go through the roof when he starts getting steals. Should I play Jordan Poole, Tyus Jones, or neither in a Roto League? Ugh, I might go neither. Although, 
This game could be close. Do they bother to play them, though, if they're trying to lose? I have no idea what the Wizards are going to do with this one. It feels like the kind of game where the starters could get normal minutes, so maybe you go both. But also, you could go neither. I'm not playing them in my own leagues, but I this is the kind of game where that could hurt me because it should be high scoring. The defense should be whack. So maybe you go both. Roll the dice. Screw it. Rank the following players. Melton, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Alex Caruso, Devin Vassell. Category leagues, I'm going to go Melton over Vassell over Caruso. No, well, no, 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 no. Wiggins is at the bottom. I know that. And I think Clay's right above him right now. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Um, Melton over Vassell over Caruso over the other two Warriors. Is Jaden McDaniels worth stashing in a 16-teamer with no injured list? Uh, probably not. It's hard for me to know without knowing who's on your waiver wire, but I'm leaning towards no. Fultz, Tyus Jones, Ben Simmons. Who's going to have a better rest of season? I'm going to go Tyus Jones. Listen to your buy low yesterday. Thanks, buddy. It was a fun one. Is Suggs enough to get OG Ananobi? Or is Suggs plus Draymond or plus Reeves an overpay? I like basically all of those, actually. Those are all good. I would start by trying just Suggs, then try Suggs and Reeves, and then try Suggs and Draymond. Is healed an ad in a points league? Yes. I traded Jalen Green for Okongwu. Great trade in category leagues. Bad trade in points leagues. Great trade in category leagues. What do you think about Ben Simmons? I'm very pessimistic. I don't know if he plays basketball again in his life, let alone this year, but it's also possible he just resurfaces in two weeks and is like, I'm going to try again. Um, I would rather have Trey Murphy than Ben Simmons out of the names you're giving me on your board here right now. Um... So you could make that swap because at least we know Trey is getting close and wants to play. And then the following question is, what do you think Trey Murphy's per game is going to look like? It's a great question. And this is one of those ones where I truly don't know because he put up giant numbers last year with half the Pelicans hurt. He got 10 shots a game. He was extraordinarily efficient from three. Got some steals. Great foul shooter. No turnovers. But Zion was out and Ingram was out. CJ was out for little stretches, and then one guy came back, another guy was out. He always had a much clearer deck. This year, I don't know if he gets 10 shots a game. Does he need 10 shots a game? No, but he probably needs 30 minutes a game if he's not going to get usage. So my guess is like a 90 to 100 range, kind of fringy. But I do think he's going to belong on rosters once he gets healthy. I just think it's going to be more barely as opposed to last year where everybody was out. And so he was just cruising as a full-time injury replacement guy. Remember last year we saw four games where the Pels had their three main dudes in and Trey Murphy. And he was not inside the top 100. But again, that's a small sample size and he's better. And now they know how to use him better. So I'm going to say probably has fantasy value. Drew Holiday or Jalen Williams? Uh, give me Jalen Williams. I, I I was fading Drew Holiday. I know that uh that left me a little bit on an island. Um, but I just I didn't I, I couldn't see the usage being quite enough. And he's doing all the little things right now. But you know he's outside the top eighty. Um, Jalen Williams is also outside the top eighty. Those guys are both 
buy low-ish, but I'd rather have Jalen Williams. Dan, when a trade is fair, when talking about general rankings, or when is a trade fair? Is trading for a 15 to 20 player worth it if you're giving up two 40 to 50 range guys, or is wrong to think like that? Yeah, I mean, you might find a team that needs depth, and that's the way to do it. You know, that's okay. Typically, the side getting the one best player wins in a trade like that. My fair trades, and I make a lot of them mid-season in leagues where everybody wins. That's the way I try to build the trade out. You can get them done if you're trading for basically ROI. I'm going to give you a category you need. You give me a category I need. I'm not really that worried about ranking. I might take back the guy who's lower in rank by 5, 10, 15 slots or whatever. But if they fit my team better, then that makes sense. What should I get if I was trading away Jalen Johnson? Could I get OG Ananobi for him? Um, I think you probably could get OG. Uh, I'm actually not sure that Jalen Johnson falls that far behind Ananobi this year. Um, You're probably fine either way on that one. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, if you want it. Um, if you picked up Jalen Johnson, you might just enjoy it at this point, though. Do I pick up Boyan in a 10-teamer? No, I don't think he's going to be a 10-team guy. I think he will be a 12-teamer, but I think he's going to sit right somewhere in between. Because, like, think about last year. Bogdanovich had a very large role on the Pistons last season, and he'll probably have a pretty good-sized role again. Averaged 22 points a game last year, 49% shooting, 88 at the free-throw line, and he was still ranked outside the top 100 because he's, a, he's very much a head-to-head build kind of dude. Big points, good threes, good percentages, and just a total mess in almost every other category. Doesn't get any defensive stats, doesn't pass, doesn't rebound. He is the magic of how categories work. Good in three, bad in four. Head-to-head, great. If you're punting rebounds, assists, steals, or blocks, he's a must-start play. Roto, if you're trying to win all those categories, he's fringy. So 10-teamer, I don't think he gets there. 12-teamers, I do think he gets there. Are you at all worried about Devin Booker's games played number this year? Yeah, I was worried about it coming into the season. Um, Him missing time right at the front end of the year doesn't make me any less worried, but also maybe he's getting them out of the way. Like, he's been a little dinged up the last couple of seasons, so it's hard to know for sure. Um, I think he was given more durability credit than he deserved in the sort of general space. But I'm not, like, any more worried about Booker than I am about some of the other guys that miss games regularly, like a Paul George or a Kawhi Leonard or something like that. You know, maybe more than, like, a Jokic. Yeah, but, you know, not a whole lot you can say about him the rest of the way. That's like, oh, he's definitely going to miss ball games because we don't really know. OG Ananobi or Asar Thompson, rest of season. I'll go OG. And we're about to wrap things up, by the way. We're at 50 minutes. What is your rank order from Embiid, Shea, and Halliburton from now on? Guys, it doesn't matter on this one. I'm sorry. I know that's the cheap way out, but those are four of your top... Those are three of your top four fantasy players on the board. They're all amazing. You cannot go wrong with any of them. Uh, I think Shea's steals probably come down from two and a half, and that brings him back closer to the pack of these other guys. Right now, he's kind of boat racing them. But, like, Halliburton's been incredible. Anthony Davis has been amazing. Embiid, Jokic. These guys have been so amazing so far this year. And you can take any of them and you can win with any of them. Dan, when do you expect Fultz and Wendell Carter Jr. to return? I have no idea. Markel Fultz is already ruled out for tonight. Doesn't seem like he's getting all that much closer, so I'd assume he's out at least another week. 
Same thing with Wendell Carter Jr. I assume he's out at least another one to two weeks. Just set your expectations down the line, and then if they pop up for any reason, then you go for it. All right, let me see what questions here apply to everybody, and we'll try to do one or two of those before we wrap it up. Uh, I'm not going to do trade or add drop questions so much. Uh, let's see here. I was offered Kawhi Leonard for Tyrese Maxey. No, I think you'll probably stick with Maxey there. What about Scotty Barnes? I think I'd go Maxey over Kawhi over Barnes. In Roto, head-to-head, maybe you go Barnes over Kawhi if you're worried about games missed down the stretch. Do you see decent upside on Cam Johnson? I sure do. I sure do. That's a good question because he hasn't really hit his stride yet at all. Uh, he's number 169, but that's because he's shooting 40%. Everything else is exactly where we need it to be. 12 shots a game is fine. I think that actually trends up as he hits full starters minutes, get him to 13 shots a night, and start hitting in the mid to high 40s. Now you're talking about a guy scoring not 13 and a half points, but more like 16 to 18 points a game, a bunch of threes, rebounds, steals. Yeah, yeah, I see upside there. Let's see here. I'm trying to get one or two. Um... OG or Melton in category leagues. I'll go OG and Anobi on that one. And I think... Here we go. Last question. Uh, oh, here two two last qu- quick ones. Bruce Brown or Alex Caruso? Uh, I prefer Caruso. And what is Nick's, Nick Claxton's outlook the rest of the season? Well, remember, he was a top 30 guy last year. And he's number 48 so far this season with pretty repeatable numbers. Um, you'll see guys kind of move around the board around him. I think Claxton can get inside the top 40 again this season. And that doesn't, frankly, sound all that hard to me. All right, voice is tired. Laryngitis is real. I've gone through a lot of water so far this morning. Hey, if you guys appreciate all the stuff we're putting out here, please do like and subscribe. And definitely come check out some of our premium stuff at Sports Ethos. Uh, One of the things that people have told me is a lot of fun is seeing my thoughts in real time in Twitter. That's available to Fantasy Pass subscribers. I put a lot of stuff out uh, on social media at the end of the night. But, you know, like Buddy Heald, for instance, if I'm at my computer when that stuff goes down, last night I happened to be uh, doing a a play-by-play game. Um, If that's happening in real time, that's the kind of thing where I'd pop into into Discord, the premium rooms, and tell people to make an adjustment. Go add this guy, go drop this guy, that kind of stuff to get you two, three, four hours ahead of what I put out to the masses. So that's a fun part of our premium fantasy pass. Uh, we've got projections updated daily and weekly. So uh, do check that out, guys. And it's six bucks a month. It helps power the locomotive here. Again, like, subscribe, fantasy pass at for- sports ethos, manscaped.com, promo code there, ethos20. Tomorrow, no show, everybody. Remember, no show on Thanksgiving. Enjoy Turkey Day. Eat until your belt buckle bursts. And we'll be back with you guys on Friday with the big fat week in review show that'll uh, well because there are no games on thursday makes that a lot easier we'll be able to uh summarize everything that happened basically saturday of last week all the way through wednesday of this week everybody seems to enjoy those big friday waiver wire type shows get you set up for a weekend and uh this weekend i don't think i have as much kid stuff so maybe we can even squeeze in a show one of those Let's Make a Deal episodes. That was fun also. Again, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Find me on Twitter at Dan Bespris. I'll talk to you guys in two days on the pod side and much sooner on social. If you find me over there, we can talk all day today. Later. Later.